This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. I get balloons today on X, but they all keep falling to the ground. It's... it's kind of a sad display now they all Twitter used to send balloons they, and x they all they all Budget go to the cuts. right for some reason i don't know ah, well. <laughs> it's, they're floating in that direction <laughs> it's the matt mcneil show for your birthday boy thursday yay uh matt and brett here uh the never aid never ending sands of time have reached back and grabbed another year from this Soon to be cold, cold corpse. It is 55 for me this year. 55. Yeah. Trying to think of anything special you get at like 55. Is black like mold. Uh, black, yeah. No AARP things or sort joints. Uh, well, I'm halfway to being C3PO at this point. I mean, yeah, yeah. I got more metal in my body. It is always fun saying, I've got all this metal. Say, sure, go to this. You just go to this one over here. Just you, just you get your own private, you know, Johnny Metallic over here. You get to go over there and Get your own scanner and everything like that. So, uh, it's you know, yeah. What is what is the fifty fifth anniversary? There's got to be something for fifty five years marriage, right? I thought that's like when AARP started mailing you stuff at like fifty five. <laughs> I always heard. Start, start. Oh no, AARP started sending us stuff five years ago, six years ago. Really? Oh, so they're going like late forties. Oh they're, yeah, they're they, getting they right started, on top of that. Yeah. And I want to tell the truth is AARP. I don't mind nearly as much. It's the cremation society that seems to be. Found yeah. That's in. more depressing. <laughs> if there's, like, Hey, do you like, do you like the smell of a barbecue? Well, have we got a treat for you? It's the cremation society. <laughs> you can do the s'mores package, which is, uh, you know, it, it really, the kids love that one. <laughs> it goes up like goes up like a flambe. Uh very Ozark. Anyway, um no. I do get a lot of mail from the cremation people. Stop it. I'm good for the time being. I don't need I don't need ideas. They got a buy two get one free sale going right now. Yeah, it's, it's just there's some guy out in my street okay. holding up a bottle of lighter fluid going, yeah, yeah, I got it right here. It's all ready to go. Got matches too. <laughs> Will somebody stop their their maniacal urges? 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Holy God, it, it's, it's, even though it is my birthday, we got a, a humdinger of a show for you today. Uh, coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, we've got a, a certain John Fugelsang, my birthday gift this year. Uh, he is kind enough to join us earlier today, and we had a nice long conversation with him. We'll play that back. Of course, Sexy Liberal coming up. Rick Smith in this hour at 335. We're going to talk about the importance of the union element. I mean, as Dean Dean Phillips is talking about running, he's not going to wrestle the, the union vote away from Biden. So I don't, you know, and I just don't see how in the world you're going to be able to get that done uh, to, to up, you know, upend Biden at this point if you don't have the union vote. So we'll, we'll talk to him about that. He knows the union stuff better than I do. We have, this is our last day of giving away stuff for the Sexy Liberal Tour. Now, uh, Stephanie Miller, John Fugelsang, Hal Sparks, Frangela, the whole crew, they've got the Sexy Liberal Show. The only one they're doing this year is on Saturday. It's a pay-per-view event. They're out in Los Angeles, but you can watch it live on pay-per-view 
It is fantastic. Uh, make sure you get your pay-per-view, sexyliberal.com. At sexyliberal.com is where you can find the pay-per-view information. We gave away, uh, we, we had a uh, one giveaway on social media, and we had made a post on social media on the Twitter page, on the Facebook page, and on the Instagram page. And if you commented on those posts, you were entered in for the drawing for a, a, uh, a, a free pay-per-view pass today. Uh, I believe the phrase was, and this was kind of this was kind of foreshadowing. I love John Fugel saying. Uh, so, did we have some people post? I love John Fugel saying. Yeah, let's let's pick a winner now, and I'm going to give me a number between 21 and 25. 21, 24. Um, 24. All right, 24. I'm doing the math in my head for who will win. A little math equation. Our winner is going to be Karen. And we know we have it's on social media. We have no idea what town she's in. Uh, I can tell you in just one second. She is from Isle, Minnesota. Ah, Karen from Isle. Congratulations. You've got yourself the last social media pay-per-view pass for Sexy Liberal. Now, we got one more to give away. I got a pay-per-view pass to give away during the show today. So listen for your chance to win sometime this show. That's it. After after today, at 5 o'clock, if you want to catch the pay-per-view of the Sexy Liberal show, you need to go to sexyliberal.com. Buy the pay-per-view pass, but I think you get to view it until past November, right? I mean, yeah, you get at least a few days if you can't make it directly on yeah. that Saturday night. So don't feel any pressure. Yeah, you can you, you can watch it. it. I think you can watch it over and over again too. So yeah, it's 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 a pretty slick deal. So if you don't win this one coming up today, uh, you do get, just go to sexyliberal.com. Go catch Steph Fugel saying Hal Sparks for Angela, the whole crew, plus uh, a, an incredible slate of guests they've got ready to go out there in Los Angeles. So it'll be good fun. All right, make sure you're there for this on Saturday. I have talked about you do not rob you do not rob suburban locations. Minnetonka is giving Edina a run for its money as far as is 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 tracking down a criminal. Cuz remember they had the guy that made the threat outside of Edina High School. The the guy was caught by like 8 a.m. the next morning. It was it was like 14 hours. 14 hours they tracked that guy down and they they arrested him. A man has been arrested in connection with a robbery at Minnetonka Taco Bell during which a shot was fired. Remember we were talking about this the other day about the they, they got the new chicken nuggets. They know what I want for Christmas. You know, there you go. You, you see this? We're, chicken we're, nuggets at Taco Bell. They got it. This is we are a test market for the Taco Bell chicken nugget. So, I mean, clearly this guy was just wanting some. I, I have no, actually, I think he wanted cash. I mean, I don't think he wanted the nuggets. I think he was looking to rob the place. Minnetonka Police Department says a robbery happened around 8.30 a.m. yesterday morning at the Taco Bell at 5, 1500 Highway 7. The suspect entering the restaurant displaying the weapon. At one point, the gun discharged because apparently he's an idiot. No one was injured, thank God. Um, the department says it continued to track the man's location throughout the day. How did, how are you this bad at this? I mean, seriously, they tracked this location. Or are you driving the Oscar Mayer Wiener car? What? It's, how is how are they able to track you immediately? Uh, there goes the criminal guy. Well, yeah, there he goes right there. Yeah, he just he just went past me. Uh, they tracked him throughout the day, leading to his arrest in Minneapolis that afternoon. With the gun used, the robbery also found his rapid resolution within about six hours. Six. Bravo. Minnetonka police. This is a round of applause for you guys. Bravo. And the help of the Minneapolis police. Six hours. Dear Lord. 
Uh, did he even finish the nuggets at that point? I mean, that's the question. I mean, clearly not all the dipping sauce. Uh, it's a testament to the effectiveness and technology of the agency collaboration of our fight against crime, said Jason Tate of uh, Minnetonka Police. Uh, he's deputy police chief there. The man is also believed to have attempted to rob an armored car just before noon in Eden Prairie. You're not that smart, and you're going to jail. And guess what? You get to go to jail, and when they say, what'd you do? You get to say, I tried to rob a Taco Bell. <laughs> and they caught me six hours later. Is there a worst fast food restaurant to rob? Because White Castle. White Castle. Hands down, man. I mean, you're be- not getting expensive food there. No one's going to have much. Yeah. Arby's. There is, you know, your dignity is down to ground level if you're trying to knock off an Arby's. I think White Castle might have uh, to. Man, I don't know. Beef you've got, and the, got oh, a lot of cheap stuff on the menu at Taco Bell. Dude, dude. man, we'll give you the horsey sauce. You don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to steal it from us. I, I imagine you pulled a gun in the Arby's. They'd be like, you know, we'll just give you the food you want. It. I mean, it's it's you know your 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 uh, your uh, blood pressure. Knock yourself out. Here you go. Sure, it's the meats. There you go. Enjoy. <laughs> okay, maybe wait, Castle. Some sliders. What did you do? I was trying to rob some sliders. I was trying to get the chicken rings. <laughs> Don't I here's the thing about White Castle. I even myself will have to admit, every once in a while, I need a slider. I will. And, and it just hits at a random time. I'll be going to, I was down in uh, Apple Valley. There's one down there. I was driving past. I was like, God, man, that sounds good. So go get one. And they're they're not big. They're actually they are snack size. But you just went and ordered one slider? No, two. At the okay. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. I'm there. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say, I don't know if you can even order one slider. (laughs) It's eight cents. (laughs) Pull pull around. (laughs) No, uh, every once in a while I have to get a slider. I don't think I've ever said to myself, "Mm, you know what sounds good right now? Technicolor cheese on meat? On a bun? Uh, Sure. I'll have a beef and cheddar. Now, if they still had the potato triangles. Now we're talking a different world. Because those were one of the best things fast food ever produced. But their loss. I don't know. The beef and cheddars weren't terrible. They weren't terrible. Yeah, they, but they're better they're, than what else you could find for fast food. Really? <laughs> it's, I'm not a fan of the beef and cheddars. Well, I mean, okay, I'm trying to go down what road you're going down with this because, I mean, I, I, okay, Frisco Burger? No, Frisco Burger is better than the beef and cheddar, right? I'd, I'd take that probably over anything at a Taco Bell. Yeah, Just looking Taco at Bell. how anything Okay, so Taco Bell. Okay, yeah, you do kind of... You know, you're running for someplace. Uh, you know, you 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 get the uh, the Taco Bell. Um, <laughs> it's beefy, uh, <laughs> sure. Beef fish, yeah. beef fish. <laughs> it's using the beef fish, which is yeah. it's, a, it's a delicious <laughs> fish you'll find. Um, oh no, I mean it's uh, you know uh, Taco John's is good. I like Taco John's, so I'm not. No, it's not going to be that. Now, now this is going to be the entire freaking show. I'm just going to just let you know this. We're now now into this realm. You've opened. Thanks for opening up this Pandora's box. Um, you know, oh gosh, no, I don't even want. I don't want to go down. I don't want to embarrass them. I don't want to say anything bad. But I will say this: there are actually a lot of fast food places where, if you eat in moderation, you don't go there too often. They're actually quite tasty. I think McDonald's occasionally is a tasty. Burger King is occasionally tasty. Hardee's is occasionally tasty. Subway. Hmm. Fresh? I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, 
They're fresher. They actually cut their stuff now, don't they? Yeah, yeah, the bread's pretty questionable at Subway. Though. I did have at a Quiznos a beef and sh- a, a, a cheese and broccoli, not beef, a, che- a cheese and broccoli soup, which was pretty atrocious one time. That was that was you know uh, you know the Hague is calling for that one. Uh, <laughs> that's some bad. That's some bad yeah. cheese and broccoli <laughs> soup right there. Uh, okay, well I'll I'll let this settle. Let's get something. I'll tell you what. Because I got a ton to talk about with this before we get to Rick. Let's take a break. It's been a busy day in the U.S. House. And the Republicans, have there been any fist fights? I think they're going to have one by the end of the day. There is actually going to be a fist fight on the Republican side by the end of the day. I'll get to that here in just a second. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. The Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Wow. Very nice. Thank you very much. Double nickels, by the way, today. 55. Nice. Which people are going to be like, holy God, you're only 55? Yes, I know. I know. Uh, it's, 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 it's the hard living and lots of bad food. That's how you do it. That's Matt's secret. 952-946-6205. See, the mind is the first thing to go. I can't even remember the damn phone number anymore. (laughs) 952-946-6205-952-946-6205. So I was coming into the radio station to do the show. I'd actually downloaded the Axios story. Let me read the Axios story to you here. A plan by... um, uh, well, actually, no, this is, let me, I got to get to the Axio story here. All right. Jim Jordan, uh, endorsement of a plan to empower Speaker Pro Tem Patrick McHenry, short fella, until January has set off a furious, furious reaction to House, House, House conservatives. The McHenry resolution, which Jordan backed Thursday after it became clear he was bleeding GOP support ahead of the planned third ballot, will require support from Democrats in order to alleviate the speaker crisis that has paralyzed Congress for more than two weeks. So basically this is that McHenry is not um, as far right as the conservatives want to have. But there's no way in the world you're going to get anyone far right elected as the House Speaker. That's just not going to happen. And so what you've got is the, 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 the basically said, well, we might be able to get a few Democrats on board. And that was when the conservatives went nutsoid. And nutsoid is the right thing. Um, it basically, so the, the, the plan is to re- was, was to require Democrats, uh, a few Democratic votes to help him over the edge. Representative Debbie Lesko, Republican from Arizona, Nathaniel Morin, Republican of Texas, Lance Gooden, Republican of Texas, Marionette Miller-Meeks, Republican of Iowa, said in a closed-door GOP conference that Jordan should step aside, according to a source in the room. Former Speaker Kevin McCarthy, meanwhile, advocated for empowering McHenry, while Jordan says uh, stays on as the top uh, GOP Speaker designee, according to two sources. McCarthy screamed at Gates to sit down and went to speak uh, when he went to speak at the mics, the source said. It's hard to imagine a guy like that that doesn't have a lot of friends. I know. You look at him, he said, you know, that guy doesn't look like a weirdo hanging out behind the back of a gas station in South Carolina at all. No, not that. No, not not Matt Gates. But apparently he is deeply unpopular right now. And my guess is going to be is if a candidate runs against him in his race as a primary, they are going to have every freaking Republican there to endorse them. 
Representative Jim Banks, Republican of Indiana, an influence, uh, influential conservative running for Senate, called on the escape hatch as a historic betrayal and the biggest F.U. to the Republican voters. Funyuns. Who doesn't love Funyuns? Oh, we don't deserve the majority, Banks told reporters. I think we all can agree on that. <laughs> yeah. Banks, as a conservative, finds the common ground. Banks apparently said we don't deserve the majority predicting that more than half of Republicans would oppose the resolution. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, that's right, roid rage herself, called Jordan's decision and vowed to vote against the resolution. Matt Gates, a Jordan supporter who led the charge to Alice McCarthy, called the plan a constitutional desecration and vowed to do everything possible to stop it. And kind of, you might want to work on that on your hairline, just FYI, dude. And I, hey, I got, I mean... I'm sexy as hell. I, I My hair is kind of, Pangea broke up a long time ago. But, dude, you're trying to hold the full head of hair like it's a, a, a wavy bank of hay. It's not working, dude. There is a lot. You could land a Boeing on your forehead. I'm just going to, someone has to tell you this. Kevin Hearn of Oklahoma, Republican chair of the biggest block of House conservatives, also opposes the resolution. We need to work every day until we get a speaker, he told reporters. Yes, do it. Yes, do it. Yes, do it. Empowering McHenry could allow the House to vote on emergency measures such as short-term government funding to aid Ukraine and Israel. McHenry has taken limited interpretation of his role as Speaker pro tem so far, and it's unclear whether concessions Democrats might demand in exchange for empowering him until January. Jordan's plans to remain the GOP Speaker nominee in the interim, a dynamic that could trigger Democratic backlash as well, given their view that the Trump loyalists would be uniquely dangerous Speaker. It's highly unusual for Jordan, a founding co-chair of the House Freedom Caucus, to be in the crosshairs of the hardline conservatives who generally compromise his most vocal supporters. It's, um, Jordan is now at risk of alienating his closest allies in addition to the establishment, and several GOP holdouts have said they have received death threats, death threats, mind you, over the past 72 hours, further entrenching their opposition. They, this is the closest the far-right conservatives have ever gotten to getting complete control, total control. They will not win a majority ever in the Senate. They will not, you could not run someone like Jim Jordan nationally. He would lose by 40 points. So this is their whole game plan is basically just get enough votes to have control of the house and install him and basically create a situation where they hold the rest of the country hostage until they kill Medicaid, Medicare, social security, all these things. And then Donald Trump is is pardoned and made president and all these things. That's that's what they're trying to do. And by the way, you shouldn't. I mean, if you heard Stephanie yesterday, that's kind of the point she's making is that this whole thing with Jim Jordan is about basically getting someone into place who can, you know, basically possibly overthrow the government again. So now that was about one o'clock this afternoon. Let me give you the update from about 2.45 this afternoon. A plan by House Republicans to empower Representative Patrick McHenry as a temporary speaker of the House was declared dead on Thursday. <laughs> it didn't last long, did it? Republicans considered it during contentious conference meetings that lasted hours. The vibes coming out of the House GOP conference meeting entering its third hour were dismal, said the new Republican Grace Sergers reported. Representative Vern Buchanan told reporters that reading the room, the resolution to empower McHenry is dead. Scott McFarland from CBS confirmed the report. Multiple House Republicans are telling us the resolution to temporarily empower Speaker Pro Tem 
Patrick McHenry is now dead, won't come to the floor for a vote. The reporters believed Representative Jim Jordan will plow ahead and try to change the mind of the 22 so far defactors. They're nowhere, uh, he added. So, you know, and I'm going to be honest with you. It's if you are, who is, uh, it, it, who is a Kistner down in one? Is that Junior down there? Uh, Opie? Uh, which uh, state, Min- Minnesota? Minnesota one, yeah. Oh yeah, what's his name? Kistner? No, that's Kistner. Is the guy no, that ran? He's the guy that ran in CD two. Oh, uh, vanilla, bland. Is it bland? Let's go with bland. Egg. It's egg. Who? <laughs> oh, Arrested Development. You never. Oh, Finstad. Finstad. Yes, egg. Egg. Yeah, egg runs down. Representative Egg down in uh, in Minnesota one. Uh, if you're there or you're Minnesota eight, this is a vote that is going to kill your your re-election chances. Because I want to make sure you understand, this is not about the Democrats. There's a lot of Republicans who do not like Jim Jordan and do not like the Freedom Caucus and do not want one of these things where Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare are all killed. That there are a lot, there, you know, don't get me wrong, you got, you got, you know, Fishbach, you got Emmer. Those guys are in districts where it might make the race a little closer but it's not going to have an impact probably on the race. But the reality is, is that if you are an eight, you are in one, you got to be saying to yourself, dear God, please do not, do not make me have to defend this because that's their problem. It's not the Democrats. We, we you know, we're going to be against them no matter what. It's the fact that moderate Republicans are looking like, what do you mean you put Jim Jordan in charge? What do you mean? It is... This is this is lunacy. This is literally four-year-olds running the house because they have no intention of doing – their entire plan is to get just enough power in the house to hold the country hostage and try to force the president to, to kill Social Security, kill Medicare, kill Medicaid – you know, get rid of, uh, you know, you know, declare Vlad Putin the vice president. You know, that's kind of what they Trump has never been guilty. That's kind of the whole argument that they're trying to make. And it's 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 a it's a laughing stock. This whole thing is a freaking laughing stock. My guess is, is that Jim Jordan is going to lose votes, even more votes this next time around. And so either they revisit the Patrick Henry deal which I don't think they will because the idea is you're going, to, you're going to need some Democrats to vote along with that to make that happen. And that is, you know, it's it's funny. These people like to run around and say, my job here was to clean this up. No, their job was to force their agenda on other people. And the concept of working with the other side of the aisle is so disgusting to them that they just want to force their will on anyone else. And I mean, like I said, I mean, you think this is going to clear up you, let's just say Jim Jordan becomes a speaker. You think this is going to be done that everyone's going to be happy. (laughs) When, when, when the government shut down for the fourth month and, you know, even in their conservative districts are like, dude, you gotta open up the state and the national parks, man. They're going to be like, you just gotta stay with us another four months. And then they're frantically going to try to, un- and what's going to happen? You can already see it coming. Next October, October 1st, they're frantically going to try to undo all they've done and say, see, we made a difference. And they're going to be frantically arguing that they did something that they, did, they didn't do. So 
952-946-6205. Rick Smith is going to join us when we do return. He, of course, the night host, 8 to 10 o'clock at night. We'll chat with him about politics and things. It is the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Rick Smith is the host of the Rick Smith Show. It's on 8 to 10 o'clock here locally in Minneapolis, St. Paul. He's kind enough today to join us to talk all things Democrat and uh, the union issues as well. Rick, thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing well, my friend. Uh, what town are you in, 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 in right now? I mean, we were, having, we were trying to figure out which one you're in. Uh, right now, I'm in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, okay. uh, home of the Army War College. We we love we love war here. Well, as an Army guy, who doesn't? But you know, <laughs> but you know, it, 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 is it a nice day? Are, are, you, are you having good fall weather out there? It's a beautiful day. We just uh, we just got back from taking the bikes out on the road and uh, mm. came back specifically to to sit down and and and. Fight the good fight. Well, I'm glad to have you with us here. I, I got to bring up something here. Now, this is a little bit an issue for us here in Minnesota. Dean Phillips, he's the Minnesota Three rep. He is my rep, actually, in my house. Uh, he is, of course, uh, a Democrat who's been basically making waves that he is thinking about running against Joe Biden because Joe Biden, he says, is too old. Um, it, it's unclear whether he's not is going to do this. He, he's missed the deadline to file in Nevada if he wants to, but he st- says he's still working with the guys in New Hampshire. Whatever the case may be, the first thing I said is, to win the Democratic nod, you need the union support, and I just do not see Joe Biden losing the union support. Am I wrong nope. on this? What, what is your thoughts on oh, that? Uh, no, absolutely not. Look, uh, here, here's the thing. Uh, I, I'm a union guy. Uh, I vote on union issues uh, the bread and butter economic stuff that that's important to me and my family, and have been voting that way my entire voting life. Uh, I remember as a kid, Jimmy Carter was gonna gonna undo Taft Hartley. That was part of something he ran on. Uh, didn't do it. Bill Clinton was gonna get a strike replacement. Uh, Bob Dole filibustered it. We never heard from it again. I shook Barack Obama's hand twice, and he told me, "Rick, we're gonna get something better than the Employee Free Choice Act. We got Bupkis." For too long, Democrats have been talking the talk, but not walking the walk. Biden talking the talk and found Obama's comfortable shoes and walking the walk because he actually first president in history to walk a picket line. There's no way he he loses the union vote. Well, and talk about that, because that is I mean, I know a lot of union guys who said the same thing. That was you know, if there was doubts on whether they were supporting Joe Biden for a second term, those ended at that moment because that's the first time that's ever happened as a president walking a picket line with the workers. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, Obama, candidate Obama said, you know, comfortable shoes, going to get out there and, and walk the lines. Uh, if you remember what, what went on in Wisconsin, you didn't hear a peep out of him. You didn't hear a peep out of him on any of the, the labor things that went on during his time. Uh, nothing. Uh, and and look, I, I get you're your president and you're, you you've got other things going on. Okay, fine. Uh, Biden has made this part of how you're going to reunite this country. And I've been saying for a long time, Matt, if you want to reunite this country, you got to reunionize it. Yes, you got to get into the workplaces and bring people together. Because look, we're tearing each other apart at work and at home. 
So in my view, you bring people back together in the workplace, you organize them, you get them fighting for the right things, wages, hours, conditions, opportunities, the future, that's good stuff. You get them away from fighting over the divisive stuff, who, you know, the transgender issue, any of the LGBT stuff. You know, look, 30 years ago in my workplace, we dealt with the, with the transgender issue. 30 years ago. Uh, we'll call him Ross. Ross went away. Came back as Rosie. Do you know who cared? Anyone? Nobody. Exactly. Nobody cared. Rosie did her job. Rosie went home, led her life. Nobody cared. The only thing that the union had to do was go, where's Rosie going to go to the bathroom? Because we don't have any women working here. Because at the time, the freight industry had no women really in, in the freight industry. They're a couple, but not in our terminal. So you just had to figure out, okay, where, where's she going to go now? Nobody cared. Now it's, it's what's ripping us apart. It's the end of humanity. And I'm telling you, if we can get back to organizing on the right stuff, mm-hmm. wages, hours, conditions, opportunities, I think we can reunite this country. And I think Joe Biden thinks that way as well. Well, and okay, so we had the writer strike. Thank God that's got resolved. Still working on the actors. But with SAG-AFTRA, I want to look at UAW here because you just brought up a good point. You can unite this country because it, it, the reminder that everyone needs – is back under the Obama administration. The auto industry came hat in hand to the American people, came to the unions, say, we're going to die if you don't help us. We're all in this together. And here we are a decade and a half later, and they're basically like, we're not, now that they're making a ton of money, we're not going to help the unions. I think that dichotomy, that that just blatant display of greed and selfishness by the the auto industry itself that when they needed help, it was everyone's problem. But when it's time to pay the workers who have been by their side, then they're stiff-arming them. I, I think that that is a great you know, example of just going to the people. This is why we need the unions right here. Absolutely. Yeah. And here's the thing, and this is why Democrats are, have, have been taking it on the chin with, with, uh, with the working class. Because uh, you go back to the Obama years when, when they <laughs> – when, when they, you know, struck this deal to save the auto companies, it came with a lot of concessions by the working people. Now, understand, Republicans lost their minds yeah, because it was a controlled bankruptcy and the workers didn't lose their pensions. The right was crazy that the workers didn't lose their pensions. You know, which The first time in history that a company's gone belly up and the workers didn't get completely... You got a beep button? <laughs> Beeped over. Is, <laughs> yes. Yeah, there we go. Uh, but you know, this is this is what this is what where we are. And look, you know, Stephen Ratner, the the cars are from that era. You may you may remember. Um, he just came out and said, uh, if they had more time, they could have they could have gotten more concessions out of the workers. They could have gotten the workers to give up more had they more time. And you go, how much more did they have to give up? Because, you know, look, I've been walking the picket line with these folks. I adopt a striker, which is something we've been calling for on our program. You find a picket line in your neighborhood, adopt a striker. Get out there, walk with them for a day, bring some, some water, you know, a pizza, a couple of bucks for the, 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 the strike fund. But get out there and, and, and make the strike lines bigger. Because I always say the bigger the, the picket line, the shorter the strike. But, you know, in talking to these people, you know, they took, to heart all of that stuff that came out of the pandemic. Essential, frontline workers, heroes, they took all that stuff to heart. And now they're saying, hey, how about we get back some of the stuff that you stole from us? 
How about we get back some of the, the wages, some of the benefits, the cost of living adjustment? How about we start talking about that? And here's the big part, a just transition into the future. And I think, you know, what happened at, uh, at, at, at GM is enormous in the fact that they are going to put the battery plants under the master agreement, which means the future jobs are going to be good union, uh, good UAW jobs. Mm. That's, that's huge. The and, and that is, by the way, that is a massive deal considering how big batteries are going to be in powering cars in the future. That is massive. Uh, Rick Smith joining us right now. The Rick Smith Show once again, eight to ten o'clock at night, right here on AM nine fifty. Governor Walls. I mean, talk about a change in mentality. There was always a lot of Democrats, DFLers in the state of Minnesota who sat there and said we're pro union and stuff, but. Outside of maybe some House reps, some some local House reps, some local senators, you didn't really see a lot of people walking the line. Governor Walls was on the uh, joined the UAW picketing in Plymouth, Minnesota on Wednesday, saying, "We've got your back. We've got the governor of Minnesota out there on the line with the workers." I love your your adopt a, a striker program, by the way. That's a fantastic idea. It, it, this is everywhere, and this is a the, people think that a lot of times they think the UAW. They're thinking Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania. The reality is there's UAW workers pretty much everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. But here's the thing, and what your governor understands is what, what small business across the country understands, which is why this strike gets such high marks from the public. I think the last poll I saw was like 80% of the public approves of these people being on strike and, and sides with them in this, in this, in this strike. Uh, what they understand is those wages – that those workers earn in those communities props everybody up. It's, it's that rising tide lifting all boats. And Look, I tell the story all the time as a kid who grew up in a housing project on the west side of Cleveland. You know, when the neighbor got a union job at Ford, when he got that UAW job, their lives got better yep. immediately. They had food at the end of the month. The kids got better clothes, you know, a secondhand bike. They eventually bought a secondhand car. And within six, eight months, they moved out of the projects altogether. Their lives got immeasurably better because of a, of a job. And this is where, you know, to, to quote Ronald Reagan, you don't hear me do this often, but the best anti-poverty program is a job. And I amend it to saying a union job, not just some crummy Mick job, but an actual union job with good wages, good health care, good retirement security, and opportunity for the future. Man, this is, this is how we rebuild America. This is how we rebuild the most prosperous working class in the history of civilization, like our grandparents did. Well, by the way, did you, completely not talking about unions, but how did you love Biden when he came on out there and he was asked, can we do two words? He said, we're the, we're the strongest country the planet's ever produced. Of course we can. You know, there's a feeling with Biden that I get that is the American people are back and the country is back. And that's one of the things I do like about Biden here. It does. I also think there is a, an awakening coming. You and I in the past have talked about these unions who have supported Republicans. And you're like, you do understand they want to kill you, right? And they yep. don't care. I mean, as you said, they got convinced by social issues that that, that was more important than their job. And so in, in, in the age of Trump, they became romanticized by Trump. The reality is, is I think there's a awakening happening within a lot of these unions because they see the one side. I mean, here in Minnesota, where there's been the expansion, you talked about the union jobs back, the, the fact that smaller businesses are embracing unions. You're seeing union votes across the board. We had the doctors. Uh, it was an Alina Health just had all the doctors unionized. You know, so you yep. see this happening. The, the, the fact is, is that they're seeing that the Republicans – they're, they talk a game, but they're not doing anything to help the unions. And it's good to see that waking up because nothing made me more mad than seeing 
unions support a Republican because those Republicans want to kill you. And that's just the truth. Not, not, just, not just Republicans not knowing how to or not helping. Uh, Republicans hate working people. Yes. I, I say it flat out. Uh, look at what they do. You know, I've been on the air 18 years, and I've been asking people, show me, <clears throat> show me one piece of legislation that a Republican has proposed that solely helps working people. No pound of flesh for corporate America, no, no, no afterthoughts for, for, for working people, but one piece of legislation that benefited working people. I'm, I'm 18 years. Nobody's taken me up on it because there isn't anything. Again, Republicans hate working people. Look at what they do. And I wish that weren't true, because there used to be pro-union Republicans. Yes, there did. There, there used, used to, to be people yeah. you could depend on. Unbelievable. You, you're right. I mean, I remember some of the most ardent pro-union people I knew were Republicans. Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, but here we are in this moment where, you know, the, the sad reality is the Republican Party right now is adamantly opposed to, to working people. Look at their policies. Massive tax cuts for the very wealthy. And look at what the, the only accomplishment of the Trump administration did to working people. A massive screw job. And look, the whole tax cut fetish that has come from the Reagan era forward. You know, the other day I was looking at the, uh, the Forbes list. You know, in 1982, the top guy, the richest guy in this country was worth $2 billion dollars. Um, that's it, $2 billion, about $6.5 in today. That's the richest guy in the country at the time in 1982. You go to 22, you, you, the richest guy in the world's worth $265 billion. Yeah. You know, it, it's amazing to me that you see that the average, the median income for working people has continually gone down, while the, the wealth class, our, our, our upper crust, you know, our captains and titans of industry, they get wealthier and wealthier. And how? Because we're not taxing them. And they, they hoard very well. Now, remember what we were told. We'll give them all the money because they're smart. They know what to do with it. And it'll trickle down. Well, the reality is that they are smart. They do know what to do with it. That's make more money for themselves. Mm -hmm. Not for you or me. Not for us. In fact, we're, we're the marks. We're the ones who continually get ripped off. And this is, what, this is why, again, I think we're seeing all these strikes and all of this militancy because people have had enough. People are fed up, man. No, they, they absolutely are. And, it's, and, it's, and it is one of those things where if, if we don't start having the workers stand up for this right now, I mean, all we're doing when we give a millionaire, a billionaire a tax cut nowadays is ensuring their great, 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 great grandkid never works a day in their life. And that's insanity. Yep. We should not be sacrificing the middle and lower class of this country for billionaires and stuff like that. So just, just wrapping this part up, I got one more question for you after this. That There's no way in the world that Dean Phillips, the Minnesota House rep from Minnesota 3, there's just you don't see any path for him to to win the Democratic nod, do you? In any capacity? <laughs> okay, good enough. Uh, there it is. Uh, you're you and I are simpatico, my brother. Uh, <laughs> just Dean, who? Dean, well, you gotta you gotta win the unions, dude. You're not gonna win the unions yeah. against Biden. That's just not gonna happen. So, all right. Not happen. Since you're here. And since the U.S. House Republicans are, you know, basically going at it like Lauren Boebert at a Beetlejuice musical, uh, let's, uh, you know, you're at the, it sounds like now McHenry's out. That's just right before the show. The, the McHenry plan is now killed. Jim Jordan's going to run again for another yeah. vote here. Uh, they are just— Good luck. Yeah, they, they, they have no place to go at this point. No. And here's the thing. Do, honestly, uh, I don't really care because they weren't going to do anything before when they had a speaker— uh, they're they're not going to do anything now yeah. with a temporary speaker, yeah. and they're not going to do anything for working people with Jim Jordan as a speaker. 
So, you know, to be honest, there's a part of me that goes, don't care. Now, the part that does care is, look, there's some globally some problems. Uh, the president says he's going he's gonna to be asking for money for Ukraine and for Israel. Uh, who's he going to ask? Because we don't have a functional house. And as anyone knows, even the eighth grade student who's learning civics for the first time, um, all, all, all money emanates out of the house. Uh, they control the purse strings. So if we've got nobody to go, hey, we need the money, I don't know what we do. And look, we're, we're ticking down to another, another you know, bill thing where we could be shutting down the government again just before Thanksgiving. I think it's November 17th. So we got lots of chaos in what the Republicans have shown us. And I think this is, I think this is the, the message out of this. I think Republicans have shown us is, one, they don't know how to govern, and two, they don't want to govern. They like being the minority party because it's easy. They can go do their podcasts and their Fox News and throw their bombs, uh, and they don't have to actually do anything. So I think this is just them saying, hey, we, we really don't want to govern. We're not a serious party. We just want to cause trouble. We want to be uh, the chaos merchants. We want to do right-wing talk radio in government. So I hope in November of next year the American people go to the polls and throw these bums into the minority and, and hopefully Democrats take over and move us forward. Hopefully it's one of those like 1930, 1932 turnovers. We get that. I will say this. It is, yeah. It's very disheartening to hear them brag about Jim Jordan because he's going to kill Social Security, Medicaid, and Medicare. And I'm like, okay, you clearly are not on the side of the people of the country. But that's just they're, – they're zealots, and they look but like again, thank goodness, Thank goodness for Jelly Bucket Joe. <laughs> Uh, thank goodness for, for Joe Biden showing up with his jelly bucket, his veto pen in hand, even if they were to get something through. Uh, for me, that keep that guy right where he's at. Yeah. Uh, outstanding. Rick Smith, if you're not listening to the Rick Smith Show weeknights here, 8 to 10 o'clock in Minneapolis, St. Paul, you are just wrong. It is an exceptional broadcast, and if you are pro-union, that's where you just need to be every single night. Rick, as always, outstanding. You're always welcome on this show, my friend. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Thanks, Matt. Keep it up, brother. Take care, my friend. Uh, Rick Smith, the Rick Smith Show. God, is he good. God, that was a good interview. All right, let's take a break. Come on back. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. I see AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. I don't know where you're going with this, Dean. I don't know where you're going for this. I don't know if this is some attempt to you to jump to a third party, to become an independent. I don't know if this is just, you know, you you truly just do feel as if Joe Biden, even though he's done a lot, is just he's too old. He can't be there. I don't know. But you're not going to win a Democratic nomination. You know, listen, listen to Rick Smith laugh at the idea. That's Pennsylvania, by the way. <laughs> that's, that's Pennsylvania. You're going to need Pennsylvania. And you need Pennsylvania in the primary. You're going to need the Pennsylvania in the general election. And he's openly laughing at the idea of you running. You want to run. I, I'm, I'm going to be consistent. You have the right to run. You have that right. My goodness, if you want to do so, that is not anyone else's you know, business but your own. You can do that. But... I, I just don't think – I'm just not quite sure what you think you're going to do here. I'm not sure what you think is going to become the outcome of this. But you're not going to win the nomination because the union is not going to go on your side. 
And and like I said, maybe this is just setting yourself up for 2028, and that's fine. I mean, obviously Kamala Harris, if she wants to run, is probably going to be the front runner at that point to be, um, at, at, you know, it would be the front runner to be the the nominee. But yeah, it, it, it's I just don't know what you're doing. Is Doctor Joe on the phone? Is Doctor Joe on the phone? Is is Doctor Joe on the phone? Put Doctor Joe on. Put Doctor Joe on the phone right now. Doctor Joe, <laughs> I, I, I'm hoping this is not an urgent call. <laughs> has the monkey, no, has the gorilla virus <laughs> escaped the the lab? Are we concerned about this? <laughs> yeah, we're all doomed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I just wanted to uh, say a happy birthday to a guy that gives things to everybody five days a week. Wow. And, uh, you're a special human, man, and. You got an all expense paid trip up to the Eastman Golf and Fishing Ranch. <laughs> well, that'd be fantastic. Uh, I, I, although I'll think I'll do this next year. Not you know, it's going to get a little cool. You took the boat dock out early, by the way. I'm just going to let you know. Uh, oh boy, I'm regretting it. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Doctor Joe. It, it's it's. That's very nice of you. I will say that uh, the the what what you have done has saved uh, a lot of people. So I'm much more humble to you and what you bring every day. But thank you very much. It's it's great to have friends like you, my friend. You betcha, and enjoy the rest of your day, please. All right, thank you very much, Doctor Joe Eastman, uh, a regular guy. Just that's that's it's like this is like an old Mike Douglas episode. Hey, we got a special walking guest star. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, well, we're bringing all the old. It sounds like it's your last show. It's, 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 Everyone, your farewell to me. Well, it's not. I mean, I know unless, yeah, you, yeah. unless you know something, yeah. uh, you know something I don't. You know, is this like a Twilight Zone episode? Do I not make it out of here today? I'll okay. see if Stein calls here too in the next. No, few he's not going. He's to, not going to call him. Wish you happy birthday. He's he's like doing eighteen jobs right now. <laughs> uh, he, he didn't learn. He didn't learn. By the way, uh, could I one, mention one thing about Doctor Joe? So. Did you notice about two days ago on social media, all of a sudden you said you're, oh, no, looks like we're going to get a big snowstorm in the last week of October. And they're saying, they were saying October uh, 6th and 7th is what they were saying, October, or 26th and 27th, October 26th, 27th. That's what they were saying is that that was going to be, oh, oh it's chaos there. Now, um, uh, I, I don't mean to be a buzzkill here on this. Uh, October 26th, the temperature's going to be 51 degrees. Uh, February 27th, or Friday the 27th of October, it's 41 degrees. I'm no math whiz, but I believe those are both above freezing for the day. Uh, and there, as a matter of fact, there's no, very little chance of precipitation on the 41 degree day. All the precipitation seems to be the two days before that where it's 51 and 52 degrees. By the way, the low on the 25th is 43. Once again, a little... Warm for snow accumulation, especially when the ground's 65 degrees right now still. Um, I get it. You like to try to scare people. And don't get me wrong, things could change. But if you're doing this for like next week and next week it's like, oh, it's going to be 51 degrees. I don't think it's going to change that much in a few days, but stop it. Stop trying to scare people. Stop it. Stop it. Although, if you're up north, it's about time it starts. the flakes start flying up that way. Uh, hour two is up next. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205. Uh, I'm just seeing if there's any new updates in the house. No, not since we gave that update there, but we got other things to get to. John Fugel saying coming up here in just a little bit. 
Uh, I had the chance to chat with him earlier today. And uh, yeah, it's always nice to to chat with him. Reminder, the uh, Sexy Liberal Show with Stephanie Miller, Fugel Sang, and the whole crew. That is on Saturday night. Uh, the pay-per-view, you can get a pay-per-view at sexyliberal.com. If you'd like, there's one more pay-per-view pass we're going to give away today. So listen for your chance to call in. And that's the last one we have, though. Okay, so that once we're done today, we're done. So sexyliberal.com to go watch the show. Um, so this is this is... You want to, this is the reason why Republicans in the U.S. House are imploding. I want to give you an example. This is this story I'm about to read, and it's about a state representative from North Dakota. It is a prime example of why these people are never going to be able to lead. All right. Just never. A far right Republican state lawmaker from North Dakota is lashing out at the University Law School after the school reiterated that he was never a student there. Play volleyball, like Jerry. You remember the who can who can ever forget their favorite George Santos volleyball moment? I mean, what a pro! Uh, th- this is Representative Brandon Pr- Brandon Pritchard, who was elected in 2022, has made numerous comments and antidotes about attending the University of Minnesota Law School. He has repeatedly said over and over again and told stories of going to the University of Minnesota Law School. Okay. According to Fargo, North Dakota newspaper, The Forum, Pritchard recently commented about ha- being a law student at the University of Minnesota at the end of the most recent legislative session while speaking against a wind energy bill. I know where the wind was coming from. But when the law school posted to, uh, to Twitter that Representative Richard was not enrolled there, he took to the airways to attack the school for having an alleged bias against Christians and suggested he may sue the law school for unspecified reasons. Um, okay. Your argument is that because you lied and said you went there and you didn't go there, that the school saying this guy that's claiming to be a one of our graduates is not one of our graduates, that that's prosecu- persecuting Christians and that you might sue them. You know, if I may make a suggestion, before you go to court, you might want to go get a law degree from, I don't know, the University of Minnesota. They, they might be able to explain to you that the university has no obligation to cover up your lie when they're included in on the lie. <laughs> this is what his argument is. His argument is is not the fact he, he didn't come on out. I mean, he didn't come out right away and say, I'm sorry, I'm resigning my seat. Didn't come on out there. He's acting as if the, since the University of Minnesota Law School did not back up his lies about going to law school, that somehow he's the persecuted one. I want to repeat that just because in case anyone, because the University of Minnesota Law School didn't back up his lies about going to the law school, that somehow he's persecuted. That the standard this guy has is that anyone should be able to say anything at all, and no one can counter that at all. That you, I should be able to George Santos my way through life. That I, you know, I saved a baby this morning, then I flew to the moon, and now I'm getting ready to make a fine bisque. You know, it's it, you you. Yeah. <laughs> uh. If you look at the person who's behind the social media account, they have clearly an anti-Christian things on their page. Well, considering they're in non-Christian college, I, 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 you know, I know. Representative Pritchard said on a conservative televised public access program, welcome to North Dakota. Uh, I believe 
I believe that this was politically motivated in a lot of ways. Okay, once again, you lied, you lying sack of crap. You anti-Christian liar. Lie, 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 lie. Liar, you are a liar. Lie, you lied. And they're the problem. All right. There very likely could be a lawsuit that comes from this. Oh, do. Oh, do. I'm sure the University of Minnesota Law School would love to dust off a few of the professors to go into court with you and run circles around you. No, come on. No, seriously, Pritchard, sue the law school. Sue them. Run, run, the, run the law school. Sue them. If you've been wrong, sue them. If you don't sue them, then obviously they didn't do anything wrong. So this is the only out for you now is to sue them, right? <laughs> Good luck with that. There very likely could be a lawsuit that comes from this. I mean, there really could be, he added. When the program's host pressed him on his attendance status, Pritchard eventually admitted he was enrolled in undergraduate classes at the University of Minnesota, though he insisted he was talking, cla- taking classes at the law school that will overlap and allow me to continue being in law school after I undergraduate. A representative for the law school confirmed to the forum that Pritchard was not enrolled there, though, and that if he did take a class, it was a one-off class offered for the public at the law school. So like one of those, just they have a public speaker coming in for one day, and you can go get that, and there might be a credit in two, but it's not necessarily law school related. You know what I mean with that? Yeah, yeah. So he's saying that got his law degree, just attending maybe one public speaking session. Pritchard has made a name for himself and one of the North Dakota legislators' most ardent opponents to LGBTQ plus rights, but not lying. The freshman lawmaker sponsored a bill to ban drag shows and earlier this month suggested every conservative state should put a, into code that Jesus Christ is king and to dedicate their state to him. He also called for banning public universities from having same-sex homecoming royalty after North Dakota State University crowned two homecoming kings, wants to ban pornography, and he's... Oh, Tell me what you can get to take a look at this guy's search history. Oh, God. And he's even gone so far to say that the followers of non-Christian religion should have their have the right to worship curtailed. So i give you a little bit about this guy. He basically does not believe in freedom of religion. He doesn't, he doesn't believe in LGBTQ rights. And yeah, he sounds like he, you know, if I were him, I'd sue the law school. Oh, Oh, I would, I would sue them, Brett. I, I think he'd win. Oh, I think he'd win in a heartbeat. Oh, I'm sure the University of Minnesota Law Department, with all their lawyers, all of them, are are terrified at this point of this lawsuit. That they, how dare they, truthfully announce that this man did not attend the law school? Maybe we should call a special session from the legislature to get more money to the U since they're going to be paying this guy so much oh, for this yeah. lawsuit. It's just, it's, it's crazy, man. Yeah, it's, it's going to be and, tough times financially at the U. With well, does, does he have a volleyball story? 952-946-6205. Speaking of sports, uh, can I take a few minutes to rip on freaking U.S. Bank Stadium again? Did you see the story today about from Royce over? I, I saw that. Yeah, that really annoyed me too. I know where you're going with this. Yeah, the Gopher baseball team. Now, I am a fan of Gopher baseball. I actually love baseball. I love. I'm, I'm wearing my Bulldogs, University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldog baseball shirt today. Thank you very much. Have I have no idea where those guys play? They have to be on the road for the first two months of the season. I mean, maybe there's a. I don't think they can play in the deck. They don't give them like one home stand a year, and that's it. They must. <laughs> they must. Because they start early in college baseball. I'm not sure at the D3 level, but I'm imagining well, that's got to be they February also, or March. Most of their division, well, they're Division Two, 
I oh, they're, they're two. Div- okay. I think they're division two. And I believe that they, they, all the teams they play are up in the north. So maybe they got a dome or something like that they play in. You know, I mean, maybe that's their option. Um, the Gophers are facing an obstacle. The plan to play as many as 15 home games inside U.S. Bank Stadium in February and March has been wiped out by the decision of the building operator ASM Global to replace the dome's artificial turf during that period. We've always relied on the bill that squeezed through the legislature. The stadium would be available for amateur athletics in the same manner and similar cost as the Metrodome, Anderson said, the coach. AMS, ASM Global is a merged company that took over operation of the stadium, known affectionately there as the Ziggy Dome, in late 2019. We know the Vikings never wanted baseball, but they had to live with us to get the bill passed, Anderson said. It became something of a public voice of baseball. It's the People Stadium, right? It got me quite a few hate messages from hardcore Vikings fans. As it turned out, we got together and did a good job putting together a baseball field in there. They spent a lot of money for a fence. We had some of the best baseball programs in America playing at the Cambria Classic and haven't had one complaint about the playing conditions. Anderson was informed officially in the late spring that the Dome would be unavailable for baseball in 2024. Um, That's bull crap. So, reminder. A billionaire who owns a sports franchise, which is worth billions of dollars, insisted the taxpayers, mainly the middle and lower class of Minneapolis, Hennepin County, and the state, had to buy that, pay for them to have a, a dome stadium. Had to pay for it. You know, or else, oh, it's time for me to go to Los Angeles and start looking around. Yeah, yeah, I could see a stadium here. Let me go to St. Louis and look around. I could have a stadium here. And it, and it panicked these Viking fan rubes that were like, my life has no other purpose outside of a sports team. Oh, God. And the same people who used to scream, if you give $1 to the Guthrie, you're wasting my taxpayer dollars. We're all of a sudden like a $2 billion stadium for a billionaire and a billionaire's football team. You know, that's a good investment. Yeah. But to get this done, they had to make some concessions that it was the quote-unquote people stadium. Bull crap. First, they stopped people from being able to walk around in the dome for free like they used to be able to the Metrodome. You used to go in there and be able to rollerblade or hike in there. Now it's a it's a fee to get in. you got to pay to get in. That's not the people's stadium, you jackasses. That's not the people's stadium. That's you making money. The reality is you said you were going to allow Gopher Baseball to play in that thing. That was part of the deal. Gopher Baseball gets to play in the U.S. Bank Stadium. Now you're basically saying, no, they can't. I'm going to press every DFL legislator I know that the second that that facility comes to the state saying, we need another billion dollars for upgrades, we say, not until you basically guarantee the Gopher baseball team plays every damn game they got scheduled in that place. Because that is quite literally, you greedy bastards, that's the quite literally the least you can do. You've already taken the blood from the stone out of us to build your mecca to, to greed and wealth. And now you want to take this so-called people stadium and make it only for your football games and your Taylor Swift concerts and maybe a Final Four basketball tournament. That's it. You don't want anything else in there because that, 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 that you besmirch our facility. Screw you. 
Gopher baseball deserves to be in there. You guys agreed to it. You guys agreed to it. That was this is a minimal sacrifice for you greedy bastards. This is a minimal sacrifice for you just to put one baseball team in there for a few games. A minimal sacrifice. And here you are. No, that's a bridge too far. The hell with you people, man. Seriously, you are some of the greediest jerks I have seen in a long time. And you could easily replace this AstroTurf after the baseball season's over. Or, you know, maybe put it off a year. Fine. You want to do it after baseball, you have June, July, and early August to do so. Heck, do they do they even do anything in that facility? They're over in Invergrove Heights, right? Yeah. Which, by the way, thanks, taxpayers. Remember <laughs> that? That, you know, you guys are burning that blunt on both sides, man. Screw you. No, seriously, I am going to do everything in my power that the next time you guys come hat in hand to the Democrats in this state and you say, we need another billion dollars for the people's stadium. Screw you. No, until you actually make it free for people to go around the dome. Just go around the dome, for God's sakes. What, paying one guy to clean two bathrooms? Every five hours is a bridge too far, you greedy jerks. No, make that stadium free for people to go around in in winter so they can exercise out there and allow the damn baseball team, which you agree to allow, to play their games. It's bad enough you guys, like I said, took blood out of stone in this town and screwed us all over with higher taxes for this crap product, by the way. Stadiums get you championships. Yeah, yeah, it's really doing a great job. And if, if and I'm sorry for everyone out there, if Gopher baseball being able to play in that facility when no one else is in there, because sure as hell the Vikings won't be playing in January in that place. <laughs> if allowing Gopher baseball in there is a bridge too far, then take your damn team and get the hell out. Just you're just greedy. That's just greedy. Put the turf in in June, July, and August. Selfish. Just selfish greed. Can't wait for this age in our society to go over. Can't can't wait for... Like I said, it's the bare minimum you had to do was allow Gopher Baseball to be able to play in the U.S. Bank Stadium, and you were... No! No! Put the damn AstroTurf in there. It's not like you don't have construction people working there constantly. You never stop building the damn thing! So all the problems with it. But hey, you know, I think we all can agree now. Stadiums get you championships, man. I just, uh, I don't think it does. Anyone really disagree with that anymore? People's Stadium. I wonder if they're using the, well, the Vikings could have home games in January. We, we can't go, replace we it then. Oh, we could go do that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. Maybe by early January, but by late January, it's wide open at that point. You know, I, you know, it's just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is, I'm, I, I think that these guys should be dragged over to the Capitol. I think there should be a hearing. They should be dragged over to the Capitol and made to explain, wait a second here. This was part of the deal. Why are you not doing this? Keep in mind, it's not just golfer baseball. There's so many local Mayak teams that use that stadium too. It's a, not just them. 
it's it's affecting a lot of a lot oh, of it is it is huh the Midwest, yeah. yeah. Th- those are the commoners. The commoners can't come in here. No, no, this is the people's stadium. Get your commoners out of here. Screw you, man. Just pompous arrogance, greed, and selfishness. That's all it is. 952-946-6205. And you deserve every bit of bad press you guys are going to get for the next few weeks because I don't think this is going to go away anytime soon. 952 946 6205 952-946-6205. When we do come back, John Fugelsang joins us. Sexy Liberal Tour on Saturday. He's kind enough to join us to talk about a bunch of things. John Fugelsang, when we do return, it's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Everyone knows who John Fugelsang is. Everyone loves John Fugelsang, and everyone is going to be very happy to see John Fugelsang. The Stephanie Miller Sexy Liberal Tour Comedy Show is back for another show on Saturday night, the 21st, at the Sabin Theater in Los Angeles. And John will be there along with Hal Sparks and Frangela and other special guests. That's a pay-per-view event. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. And, of course, you can listen to John over on Tell Me Everything on Sirius XM, as well as his new podcast, The Sanity Cast, with John Fugelsang. He's kind enough today to join us to talk about various things. Hi, John. How are you? Matt, it's such a pleasure to be back on your show and drag it back down to my level again. Thank you. <laughs> Actually, I, I've you don't know the impact you've had on the progressive community because, like myself, I said I remember when I first time I heard you and I said, "Oh my God, this guy's saving Christianity for me." Because you fight back against these right wing tropes on Christianity, and, it, and you you make an insane amount of fantastic points. And I've actually talked to a lot of other people, too, that they were almost ready to give up on religion, and then all of a sudden they heard you, and fighting back against this narrative, and, and you know, I think there's a lot of people that, you know, you are a you know, rarefied heir for your ability to do what you have done. Oh, Lord, well, I'm glad that my dysfunction can pay off for someone else. <laughs> you know, I, I don't... I don't claim to be a good Christian whatsoever. Uh, that's my secret. I don't claim to be a good Christian. I just know the Bible extremely well, and I've known a lot of really good Christians. And so I don't cotton much to these modern-day fleece-flocking Pharisees and uh, thugs and fascists who use Jesus' camouflage and wave him around like a prop while legislating against and voting against his actual teachings. You know, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't need religion to be a good Christian either. I mean, it's all between you and uh, the commander-in-chief, whatever you believe that or he or she to be. So for me, I I just, you know, realized that watching TV growing up, I saw two different binary choices we had spiritually, atheists or imbeciles. Mm -hmm. That was all that was ever shown on TV. You either are a non-believer or you're some cretin screaming at women outside clinics. And um, once I, I really began reading the Bible as like an amateur theologian, you know, it just becomes really clear that uh, Jesus is a radically revolutionary, uh, transformative, liberal figure who hung around with leprous hookers and crooks, never spoke English, you know, says his marching orders are, you take care of the poor, you take care of the sick, individuals and nations. Mm-hmm. Um, don't execute people, pay your taxes. He who lives by the sword will die by the sword. And the only commandment about immigration or borders in the entire Bible is the commandment to welcome the stranger. So, mm-hmm. you know, I just got kind of sick of seeing a bunch of right-wing people who, who vote against Jesus' actual teachings and prioritize a bunch of stuff they imagine he said. You don't have to believe in the book as literal fact to just go by what the book says. 
So I just try to uh, thump Bible thumpers with the Bible, because um, that's sort of therapy for me after a very confusing, <laughs> abnormally Christian childhood. Well, and it, it amazes me the amount of people that still to you think to your, you know, that clearly have never read the book they claim to be an expert in coming after you and how expertly with like a surgeon with a scalpel, you just take them down. It's, it really is remarkable. They they don't, they, they don't know enough to avoid you at this point. Well, you know, it's interesting because like after Roe v. Wade was decided, Jerry Falwell, who was a segregationist who built whites only schools who uh, supported apartheid in South Africa. I got to debate him on Bill Maher when I was very young. Jerry Falwell um, waited about, it was about four years after Roe v. Wade before Falwell ever even mentioned abortion in a speech. And since then, the two generations since the late 70s, um, abortion has completely taken over what Christianity is identified with in this country. And uh, that's, that's it. Abortion is the magical Hogwarts spell they use to make the followers of Jesus reject everything Jesus ever talked about in favor of this other thing that Jesus never talked about. So, you know, again, um, you can be against abortion. You can labor all your days to try to make life harder for women. You can try to have the state force pregnant rape victims, including children, that carry and bear their rapist children. You can go ahead and, and punish poor women who are pregnant with greater poverty. What you can't do is pretend that Jesus ever mentioned it. Jesus was against the death penalty, never mentioned abortion, and uh, the Bible uh, never comes out and condemns abortion either. Um, God makes it clear in the book of Exodus that a fetus is property, and if a man uh, should happen to hit a pregnant woman and kill the fetus, he pays a fine to the woman's husband. That's it. So again, I'm not saying the Bible's pro-abortion, I'm saying that it's the greatest racket ever perpetrated on Christians, because um, it's a lot easier to worship Jesus as an anti-abortion God than to follow his inconveniently liberal teachings. You, since the last time we talked, uh, you basically have started the podcast here, which I'm glad for, because one of the things that, first of all, I I'm commend you on, I, I'm not a big fan of podcasts that are like 20 minutes long, because I don't think you can really break down an issue, especially if you have people that can really address an issue and come at it from many different angles. Uh, talk a little bit, first of all, about the approach to your podcast and, and what, what prompted you to say, oh, I'm going to add another dish to the plate, <laughs> to the table. Oh, well... Well, I was doing another. I was doing this podcast you mentioned, the Sanity Cast, uh, which was like a couple times a week, and I would do interviews. But we finally last year got SiriusXM to agree to start um, letting us have a daily podcast based on the radio show. So now that made my life a lot easier, and it allows people who don't subscribe to SiriusXM to sort of hear like a, a greatest hits version of last night's show. So we'll still have my opening rants, and we'll include interviews, and we still do tons of you know politicians and artists and actors and rappers and rock stars and celebrities and all that, all that lot. Uh, but we, uh, we you know, it, it allows me to um, finally, like, have the three-hour show every night and then the next morning have, like, a 40-minute, you know, highlights reel of the previous night's show. And um, that's been really great. I, I think that it, it's important. I, I was talking to Stephanie yesterday, actually, 
And, you know, she and I kind of reminisced about the fact that at one time there was this vast forest of progressive radio and there's not many trees left standing anymore. And I, I think that one of the things that's been nice, whether it's this station up here, Steph, Steph's show nationally, what you're doing at SiriusXM is that there are still these outlets and they seem to be building stronger and stronger because there is still this demand for progressive media. It just is most of the, 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 the corporate entities don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, you know, I believe the mainstream media is liberal when they devote as much time to uh, organized labor and climate change, you know, as they devote to partisan politics. I believe the mainstream liberal is media when uh, we're on the verge of having another war where we bomb some third world nation with oil in it, um, where they book anti-war activists instead of just retired generals. You know, I, I think the media is as liberal as the corporations that own it. And there are lots of great liberals who work in the media, but mainstream media is priority is uh, profit, eyeballs, mm -hmm. making the shareholders happy, ratings. So, you know, with progressive media, it's it's always a challenge um, because a lot of times these big corporations that make media companies don't want to, they don't want to hire people who will do shows where they say big corporations should pay more taxes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, you're literally fighting against the status quo, but it's a good way of this determining who's really independent. And um, the fact is that this is uh, a very progressive country, um, and we are not as divided as the media tells us. The overwhelming majority of us support paid family leave. The overwhelming majority of us support Medicare covering vision, hearing, and dental. The overwhelming majority of us uh, uh, support women's reproductive freedoms. It's not that controversial. And so I'm just a big fan of pointing out that not only do our commonalities outweigh our differences, but we're not as divided. I mean, what are the Republicans? Like 27% of the population and the rabid Trumpers are half that? Yeah. So Trump is really good for ratings. We know that. He's like ratings crack. He's like, it's hate watching. You know, Trump doesn't realize that he gets these high numbers because a lot of people watch because they hate him. He's like true detective season two of American politics. And, uh, you know, so I just kind of feel like every liberal has a conservative in their life that they love and, and, and try to get along with. Just like every conservative has liberals in their life they pretend to tolerate. And, um, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm not really into going after right-wing people. I'm into going after people in power and uh, mean people. Mm -hmm. Well, and you just nailed it exactly. I mean, even the when 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 conservative media was at its you know apex, when it was the top, it still was only like 10 million people a day were watching it in a country of 320 million people at that time. So it was still yeah. this incredible minority, but because nothing got ratings like, you know, that and it was, it was considered all oh, that everyone's talking about it. And it really did skew things. I mean, you talked about how the media presents things. Uh, let's, let's go to the, the U S house right now. I mean, how many times is there an idiot on, on any of these newscasts, including MSNBC, out there saying, well, this is the fact that they can't, the Republicans can't get a speaker, it's the Democrats' fault. And you almost kind of like, how bizarre a land do you have to be for this to actually make any damn sense? Yeah, the good news is that that lie has got about a shelf life of about a week. Yeah. You know, last week, the big lie was, oh, Joe Biden gave $6 billion to Iran and they used this money to fund you know, to fund uh, the, the uh, atrocious terrorist attack on Israel. You know, they put these lies out there. They get circulated all over the place. Um, not a penny of that $6 billion has been spent. That money is all in a bank account in Qatar. Uh, it was Donald Trump who first approved of uh, Iran's oil sale to Korea. You know, as the week goes by, 
the, the truth gradually comes out, and by the next week, they've moved on to a new lie. It's all disinformation. It's all telling their audience what they want to hear. It's all news for the bubble that it's true. And, you know, in the bubble, Hillary Clinton was never exonerated from emails. In the bubble, Barack Obama never showed a birth certificate proving Trump was a liar. In the bubble, there were WMDs in Iraq, and we were right to go there. You know, the, the right-wing bubble exists, and the rest of us have to deal with this alternate reality these folks live in and try to impose on us. Um, so I think, you know, what we're witnessing now with the speaker's race it's embarrassing for the Republicans. Last week, it was Scalise versus Jordan, David Duke without the baggage versus the wrestler molester protector. So, you know, wow. they have to do whatever they can do and blame it on Democrats. And it wasn't Democrats. It was Republicans who had this asinine policy of the one vote can have a motion to vacate. Um, and it was the Republicans who brought the motion to get rid of Kevin McCarthy. Democrats just voted to stop bailing Kevin McCarthy out after his lies. That's all that happened. This is Republican chaos, and the fact that they can't get it together, and they've got to try to blame Democrats for the fact that they have an inability to govern. I mean, we expected them to hate Democrats and not get any business done. We didn't expect them to hate each other and not get any business done. Well, and this is something you see it in New York, where you're based out of, and you know we see it here in Minnesota. There, there are these Republicans now, and this is the offsuit of 2010, and they won a lot of things. They gerrymandered the living daylights out of the things. They created districts where a turnip with an R next to its name could win it. And now yeah. the result of that is, as those districts went more and more extreme, and you see a lot of Republicans flabbergasted on what they're going to do with this because you have too many of their own party who are only concerned about their next OAN or Newsmax hit, not about yep. actually helping the country. And it really does, has created this this chaos. I mean, this is this is we, we are at a point where this Republican Party is so far to the right extreme. It's kind of even hard to comprehend that 199 people yesterday voted for Jim Jordan. But the reality is. That is where we're at That that with that party. That party is just extreme, lunatic, right-wing fringe. I mean, but our parents were shocked that Ronald Reagan made it to the White House. Yes. You know, because he was an airhead for who was mocked for decades. So, I mean, in many ways, it's, it's nothing new. But, um, yeah, it's what I call the Dave Bratt theory, Matt. Remember Eric Cantor was the leader of the Republicans in the House, and yeah. every week he would walk up to the White House and he would meet with Barack Obama and he would just say, no everything, right? That was Eric Cantor. No, no, no. Um, so Dave Bratt uh, ran against him and primaried him in his district. And Dave Bratt said, can you believe that Eric Cantor goes and meets with Barack Obama every week? If I'm your congressman, I'll never sit down with that person. And he presented something stupider, meaner, more racist than Eric Cantor. And the voters in his district in Virginia got rid of their own representative, who was their leader in the House. And that is a sign of the problem Republicans have, if they ever do the business of the people, if they ever work with Democrats to improve the lives of their own constituents, if they ever compromise, which is what adulthood is about, which is what politics in a free society is about, they'll get primaried. So mm. they can't do anything. And that is why America is the way it is. If they do their jobs, they lose their jobs. It's it's this what was exposed yesterday. It's this damned if you do, damned if you don't. You either vote for Jim Jordan and guarantee you're, especially if you're in a say even up to a, like a plus two Republican district, you're probably not going to win re-election, or you basically go against Jim Jordan and get primaried. And and this is the mess. The Republicans should have purged this extremism back when they had the chance, but now it's they're going the way of the Whigs. It looks like at this point. 
Well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I hear that a lot, but I heard that after George W. Bush and Dick Cheney destroyed the Republican Party and destroyed the American economy. The fact is that um, the Republican Party will transmogrify and, and morph into different things, but as long as you have um, Christians believing that Christianity is about criminalizing abortion, that's their magic battery. That movement, that tribe, will always thrive on that. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I, I don't see them going away. I see them getting worse and worse. And, uh, you know, it's up to the Democrats. I mean, Democrats, it's, it's yours to blow. I think a lot of people want to see the Democrats bringing the fight to them more. I think what we've witnessed since 2017, when, you know, we were recovering from the endlessly destructive Bernie fan versus Hillary fan civil war, which was starting to define the Democratic Party, this whole screw you for only agreeing with me on 90% of the issues thing. Yeah. Um, you know, like I get people who don't like Hillary Clinton. I get people who don't like Bernie Sanders. But come on, guys, like like you're 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 in the same team and you're fighting overall for the same stuff. But when Nancy Pelosi was able to get it, such incredible discipline that the Democratic fractured caucus saved the Affordable Care Act in 2017, it wasn't John McCain who saved it. John McCain saved the Republican Party yeah. from throwing 45 million people off health care when they had, didn't have a replacement plan. But Nancy Pelosi got the far-left Democrats and those Texas Democrats who oppose abortion rights. It's a big tent, this party. She got them all together, and that discipline has really carried over. And Hakeem Jeffries is doing it now, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, there have been 17 votes for Speaker of the House this year, and Hakeem Jeffries has won 16 of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I think people just want to see more of that discipline, and they want to see more of that fight. They want to see more of what Sheldon Whitehouse does, you know, what John Lewis did to, to, to bring the fight to them and, uh, and be inspired to get out there. And, and so, you know, and I'm not even a Democrat. You know, I'm one of those independents. Democrats have got to try to get. I, 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 I root for Democrats, and I usually vote for them, um, but I've never belonged to the party, and I think there's lots of people like that out there, too. Uh, John Fugelsang joining us right now. Uh, you, John, as good as you are at talking about politics, one of the things I absolutely adore about following you on social media is your your takes on music. Um, you are an aficionado. You've caught a lot of great concerts. You're a big fan of U2. And then I thought about this. I know that the uh, U2 is at the Sphere in Las Vegas. You haven't been able to get over there and see that show yet, though, huh? No, I haven't. I, I, I kept thinking, oh, maybe I can sneak away from Sirius XM one night and drive out to the desert and see it, but it just wasn't... Uh wasn't to be. I'm only in L.A. for about a week. But, you know, Matt, I, I saw the Octung Baby Tour five times yeah. when it came around the first time when, when I was much younger. And, uh, and and they had their drummer there with them. But it looks like just an amazing uh, venue. I mean, you 2 has said that they didn't want to play Vegas, but they wanted to play the Sphere. And people have been calling my show saying that it's the, the, the greatest, it is the greatest indoor audio venue that has ever been designed by humans to hear music. So um, I'm, I'm sorry if I won't get to see this gig, but maybe I'll get lucky down the road. Well, I, when, when it was opening night and Paul McCartney and Snoop Dogg and Dre were all there, it's like, oh, a lot of artists are wanting to see what they can do with this kind of uh, venue. Well, and it, it is, Vegas is refining itself as, as that kind of place. I remember you saw this in the Elvis movie last year about how they changed things by bringing Elvis in to, to do the shows and giving him his own crew. That's, they're, they're kind of stepping it up here. But it is something that, you know, obviously the Taylor Swift concert that was huge. Um, I, I, I know Peter Gabriel came into town in Minneapolis here and he's been doing his tour. He's doing this massive multimedia experience now. That just seems to be for the biggest stars and celebrities, even if it's Vegas or not, that multimedia 
more than just the music. It's 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 an entire presentation, and and frankly, it's succeeding because they they're selling out yeah. these places even though the costs are pretty high across the board. That's what U two concerts have been like for the last thirty years. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, their their last tour for the uh, Songs of Experience album was just uh, amazing. Like it's at a point now where if you're at a U two show, you don't want to sit too close to the stage. You want to sit a bit farther back to be able to see the entire visual spectacle that goes on with the music. And I think it's great. I think, you know, it, it's that's something that, I mean, David Bowie really got started. And, and having these concerts be incredible spectacles, not just a place for music, um, it's pretty great. But having said that, you know, I still love to go see Bob Dylan just come out there with a small band and just, you know, play obscure songs for two hours. I mean... You know, Duke Ellington said, if it sounds good, it is. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, it's nice to know that even in the age of uh, digital everything and auto-tune, that good music (laughs) still carries the day. Well, and it's nice to be in a city like Minneapolis where we have First Avenue, where even today big bands will come in and say, okay, sure, we'll just do a regular show there. That's, That's a nice venue to have in town here. I just found out that Bob Dylan used to own the Pantages back in the 70s. I didn't even know. I just read this in an article in some Minneapolis uh, website last week. But, like, for a while in the 70s, Dylan owned the Pantages and helped save it. I had no idea. <laughs> well, and he, he – I just saw Girl from the North Country uh, that just played over oh, at the Orpheum wow. here in town. This, I saw it last Saturday. And, yeah, it, it just it, – it worked really well here. <laughs> it played it, – it was yeah. playing to its home audience. Let's just put it this way. I don't know if you caught that out in Broadway when it was there. But, no, it, the, the, the Dylan influence, after you come off that show, you, you just still can't help but just be absorbed at how the Dylan influence in this town, in this, in this state, because it, even though he – most of his success was out, outside of the state, it really did resonate here as well. Yeah. Well, that Connor McPherson is a hell of a playwright. I've yeah. seen his stuff before, and I didn't get to see it on Broadway, but I do have the soundtrack album, and it's just ethereally beautiful. It's great. Uh, of course, we the main thing we should, we've got to make sure we mention is the uh, Sexy Liberal show. Uh, this is uh, oh com- yeah, this is good. this is good. we need to make sure this sexyliberal.com. This is on Saturday night. You are back out in Los Angeles with Steph and the whole crew, right? It's very exciting. It's the only date we're doing the whole year. You know, I, I, I yell at Stephanie. I'm like, we should do this tour all the time, every weekend. Let's go to a different, let's go to Red States. But we haven't done any this year. It's been a bit of a crazy year anyway. And um, we haven't actually done a real tour since before the pandemic. So I'm really excited because next year we will be on the road a lot. But this weekend is our one day of the year. It is going to be in L.A. And it will be live streamed. So you can catch the pay-per-view if you go to sexyliberal.com. Or go to meethook.com uh, slash live. That's M-E-E-T. Please, Matt, don't let your listeners go to M-E-A-T. Hook.com. You, you, you are nice people. It's no place for you. Don't go there. Go to meethook.com. And it's going to be Stephanie and Hal and uh, Frangela, who were on my show two nights ago. Um, uh, they're just amazing. And our special guest this year, oh, Matt, we, got, we have the Alpha Liberal Show. This is the Alpha Show. This is uh, it's going to be Rob Reiner, uh, Glenn Kirshner. Malcolm Dance, and making his first appearance at one of these, uh, the legend himself, one of the greatest character actors we've ever had, uh, Hellboy himself, Ron Perlman, who I wanted to get on the show because he's been such a hero here in L.A. during the actor's strike and has been so fearless and ferocious uh, going after the studios. So it's going to be a real great thrill to be on stage with all these heavy hitters and to play to a packed house and to, you know, I I know it's not the best month we've ever had for topical humor, but I kind of feel like when the world is on fire and things are just uh, so full of dread and, and peril and sorrow, that that is when sometimes we need to get together and laugh 
really hard as a way of uh, imposing our own will on the universe and uh, cr- creating our own intense joy to balance out all the intense anguish that's going on. And I would make an argument that there is no better time. I mean, absolutely. It's been a tough month, but thank God you guys are doing this because we all need a laugh. And so I, I once again, cannot recommend enough. Get the pay-per-view pass. Watch the Sexy Liberal show Saturday night, uh, sexyliberal.com for that. Fugelsang, once again, you'll find him. Tell me everything on Sirius XM. That's Insight 121, right? Yes, sir. And then, of course, the pod. No, 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 no. I'm so sorry. No, we're now on. We're now on Progress 127. Progress. Uh, they made me an offer I couldn't refuse right before the pandemic, and we moved our show to nights on the Progress Channel. Pete Townsend was our first guest, actually, and uh, so that that's that's been what I've done. I've been working nights during the pandemic and post pandemic, and um, that's been pretty crazy. Uh, I've never done stand up. I mean, I've never done you know a nightly radio show, but it's been really, really fun. It's helped us get some really great guests. And uh, so, um, and then I get to take the night off and, you know, do some stand-up. Let's just be honest. Trying to get a musician to do a morning show is next to impossible. <laughs> they do not like <laughs> doing morning shows. <laughs> yeah, well, we didn't We didn't get them live. We, we, we pre-taped it either way. <laughs> but it's been nice. Like, a, a lot of our guests from the, the previous show, I mean, Robbie Robertson has done our show many times. God bless him. And, uh, and you know, we've been able to get terrific artists to do this. Um, uh, Joan Baez is going to do our show next week. But yeah, when it's the late night show, we're on nine to midnight in the East Coast, six to nine on the West Coast. Uh, for that, generally, I have to do a lot of pre-tape interviews in the afternoon for the, the big rock stars. All right, so that's Progress One Twenty Seven on Sirius XM, the John Fugelsang podcast, available wherever you get your podcast. Correct? Yes, sir. Thank you very much, uh, John. As always, an absolute treat. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the time today. Matt, thanks for all you do. You bring such great progressive uh, talk and opinions and takes uh, to the, the, your listeners. And honestly, I've just uh, admired what you do for so long, and you do it really well. It's really a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you, John. I really appreciate that. John Fugel saying, everyone, let's take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Yeah, my birthday, but I get a gift and you do too with John Fugel saying, how great is that? Uh, speaking of which, uh, the pay-per-view uh, pass, the last one we have, let's give it away right now. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Caller number five. Uh, you will get the last of the pay-per-view pass. Uh, good luck. Caller number five. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. 6205 is the phone number. Um, the I, You want to know how busy this Newsday has been with the, the craziness of the U.S. House? Uh, Sidney Powell took a guilty plea in Georgia. The Kraken lawyer. She basically, uh, she took a guilty plea today in Georgia. And uh, the analysis says it's probably a heap of trouble for the former president. In exchange for probation, Powell struck a deal to admit to six misdemeanors in a conspiracy to overturn the 2020 election. We have one of Trump's lawyers now admitting she tried to throw. And she's agreed to testify against other alleged accomplices in future trials, the most prominent, of course, being Trump. Um, The analysis from Ellie Honig Honig said the possibility that Powell could rat out Trump in the Georgia racketeering case and the special case Jack Smith's federal election interference case is potentially devastating for Trump. Powell has been one of Trump's most loyal enablers, Honig said. 
And she provided legal advice that Trump relied on in his attempts to manipulate the election results. This is a major breakthrough for prosecutors, potentially a devastating development for Trump, because what's going to happen now is Sidney Powell is going to testify for prosecutors in Georgia, and presumably she'll be prepared to testify for Jack Smith in his federal case in Washington, D.C., hunting a former prosecutor, stated. Now, one thing that should be mentioned is this deal in Georgia does not imply that there is a deal in place for with Jack Smith in Washington DC that there is this is not in con, in in you know in junction with this it's not in conjunction with this it's basically um this is just the Georgia case so there is nothing there but obviously if she's testifying in this case she's going to be seeking a plea deal with Jack Smith she's not indicated in that case but she's uh she's listed as a co-conspirator in that one uh, she's going to be able to provide insider information that would be really devastating towards Donald Trump. Once again, I want to make sure we reiterate this. This is this is one of Trump's lawyers admitting now that there was a conspiracy to overturn the legitimate election of Joe Biden in 2020. So that is that that is that's insanity. That's 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 everything right there. I mean, at this point. If there was any dignity left within the Republican Party, someone would be going to Trump and saying, it's over. It's over. Step aside. Let someone else run. But Trump is, you know, he's got he's got that party wrapped around his little finger. Little. Well, tiny little finger, but it's fat. You know, it's, it's just. No, he's he, got tiny hands. I think it's, you can it's, say it's, that. You know, tiny? Mm. Yeah. You know, greasy. No, they're definitely greasy. Yeah, that's, that's not wrong at all. Uh, Tiny, tiny little fingers. Maybe ketchup on there too. Oh, you'd be, it's, you know, minuscule like a, like a mushroom or something. I, I, I don't know. It's just uh, something, something with him. I think it's a growth pattern. Oh, by the way, do we have a winner yeah. uh, for the, the, our, the pass? Our final winner is Don from Hopkins. So congratulations. Don from Hopkins. Enjoy. Uh, now, just really quick, I want to make sure for everyone out there who did not win, thank you very much for trying. We do appreciate that. Uh, go to sexyliberal.com. Get your pay-per-view set up for Saturday night. Uh, and once again, you can watch this all the way in through November. So enjoy. You can enjoy it at your leisure. Sexyliberal.com. That's sexyliberal.com. Uh, getting back to the president's lawyer consp- you know, pleading guilty to trying to overthrow the legitimate election of 2020. Powell's highest value as a witness would be as a you-were-there guide for jurors in the nefarious discussions that allegedly took place before the January 6th insurrection. You use her to bring your jury into that room. She'll be the guide. She'll be the narrator. She'll be able to say, I was in this room with Donald Trump, with Rudy Giuliani. Here's what we discussed. So now that they've got some an ultimate insider, somebody who has remained steadfastly loyal to Donald Trump, to the stolen election narrative, Honing continued. Now she has flipped. She has come clean. She's going to get. Uh, she's going to be a prosecution witness. Um, the uh, one one of the things which is interesting is okay. So a few things. First of all, she was supposed to go to trial yesterday. She was supposed to go to trial yesterday. She did not. Or, or yesterday, today, tomorrow. Let me do that again. She was supposed to go to trial tomorrow. She was supposed to go to trial tomorrow. That's why she took the plea agreement today. Cheese bra, cheese bra. He uh, he goes to trial tomorrow. At this point, now you've got someone, and and Stein and I have talked about this. You got Trump in the middle, and then you got rings of people around him. This is a person 
on that first level ring that has now ratted him out. This is, it's, you know, and I shouldn't say ratted out, told the truth and admitted to the crime. How about we say it like that? Told the truth and admitted to the crime. And yeah, I'm going to guess someone else is going to uh, as well flip there too. I, I would hope so. Happy birthday to John Lithgow. Happy birthday to John Favreau. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson, I adore her from the Mission Impossible movies. And oh, by the way, thanks very much for the birthday wishes. It's it's 55 and I'm still alive. Uh, Native Roots Radio is up next. Until tomorrow, see ya.